true worship hmm, implies that there can be artificial worship, disingenuous worship, worship that is uh, not biblically founded, all of those things. And that's true. And so this morning, and this is such a vast topic, right? But true, true worship is the focus of our, of our teaching and our experience this morning. And uh, if, if you have questions about what it even means to be a Christ follower, much less this idea of being a person who, who genuinely worships God, um, keep asking those questions. And if you're engaging online, you've got those questions. Uh, way to go. Ask those questions and keep, keep seeking. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, as a matter of fact, God has, for, for the genuine seeker in the Bible, God has promised to, to be there and to respond and to walk you through whatever process you need to go through in terms of having those questions answered. So, and, and we want to be a part of that with you as a, as a church. And so reach out if that's, if that's the case. Elementary students, you'll be dismissed after this abbreviated message. But I'm, I'm glad you're here for the next uh, 14 or 15 minutes because you often inspire us as adults. Kids, I want you to know that. You do. Your heart for God, your desire to worship Him. And uh, uh, way to go for that. Us old people need that sometimes. So thanks for being an example to us so many times. A little later, Pastor Brennan, he mentioned he's going to be talking about some other aspects of worship. But I want to focus our thoughts on, for the next little while, on, on the biblical teaching of worship as surrender. Hear these important words from the Apostle Paul in uh, Romans 12, verse 1. Many of you know it well. Brothers and sisters, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The New International Version puts it, this is your true and proper Worship, giving our bodies, that is a word representative of everything we are. And so with that in mind, let's look at three, this morning for the next little while, the three specific areas where God calls us to true worship by full surrender. Our future, our family, and our finances. First, true worship involves surrendering everything <coughs> excuse me, about, uh, about our future to God's good plan for us. And He does have a good plan for us that's not trouble-free in this broken world. We know that. But He's got a good plan, our, our future. He cares about our future. This doesn't mean, again, that we'll have a trouble-free life. As I said, Jesus himself was very straightforward about what life is like in a broken world. Again, many of you know the, the reference where Jesus spoke these words in John 16, 33, and he just said, in this world, you will have trouble. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> he was honest, straightforward. But he said, I, he, he said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
And in him we are overcomers. I love what Psalm 32, 8 says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Do you ever wonder which way you should go? I'm sure you have different decisions in life and different conversations and how that's going to go. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. What a, what a rich and meaningful expression from God to you today. Receive it that way. True worship is rooted in us giving up the right to lead our own lives. Is that hard to do? Sometimes it is, isn't it? But it's exceedingly, exceedingly better for God to be the one to call the shots in our life. And many of you, from your experience as a Christ follower for for some years or maybe decades for some of you, you know that to be true. Allowing God to be the one who leads you. And that, that itself is a, is, a, is a challenging thing about hearing God's direction and hearing his whisper. But it's something we can grow in for sure. It's exceedingly better for God to call the shots in our life. Students, it's exceedingly better for God to lead your life when you go to school every day, or when you're playing on your soccer team, or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Students, don't, don't, don't think anyone knows better than God about your future and what it should look like, or even what your very next choice should be. Surrender, Kids, surrender your life completely to God, because He loves you the most. Even more than your parents. And your parents love you a lot. One of the individuals who was baptized recently had Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on the screen as their selected verse a few weeks ago. And it fits here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean. Do not lean. Kids, teenagers, adults, do not lean on your own understanding. See, it's limited, isn't it? Our understanding. We don't see the big picture, the full picture. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. True worship of God stirs a deep awareness of how big God is, which should help us with any anxiety that we may feel about our future. And we have that sometimes, probably most of us. It's as we truly worship God that will not only have his, his gift of peace in our hearts about our future, but more importantly, we'll come to know him more deeply. And as the transcendent, sovereign God of, of the world and the universe, but also of our individual, relatively small lives that he cares greatly about. Then the area of our family. True worship involves surrendering everything about our family to God. And family can be difficult and challenging. Individual family units, church family, right? True worship involves surrendering everything about our family to God. God, my family is yours. My marriage is yours. Our, our, our relationships with our, with our kids, with our grandkids, with our parents, our siblings. Our, uh, uh, surrendering our attitudes and our actions that will foster, hopefully, uh, healthy and, and, and life-giving relationships in the context of family. Where, where are you at with this? 
How are you doing with this in your family these days? Maybe there's some areas that God wants to lead you to, uh, to, to, to improve on, to work on, to, to, to ask forgiveness for, whatever, whatever it might be. Spouses, are you contributing to the cultivation of a, of a loving and a grace-filled marriage relationship? What are you doing to foster that? If you're single, you still have family relationships. And so surrender each one of those to God and, 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 and choose to honor Him in, in how you conduct yourself as part of the equation in those familial relationships. I said it already, but true, true worship, so vital, involves surrendering my marriage so that it's God who leads it. True worship involves uh, surrendering my singleness when I long to be married. True worship involves surrendering my broken heart because of a marriage that fell apart. True worship involves surrendering my kids and praying that they'd follow God's will and only His will all their lives. Parents, what does that currently look like for you? It was a prayer that Miriam and I began to pray as soon as Carissa was born, and then for Mariah, and then for Brennan. And it can be a scary prayer, because you never know where that's going to go, right? So, some parents pray for their kids from the day they're born, and uh, they, 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 they have a desire, that they pray that the kids would have a desire to follow God, and then the kid gets to be a young adult, and is following Christ, and comes to them one day, and, and they've been seeking God's direction for their life, and they say that they're sensing God's lead to fill in the blank, to, to, to not take over the family business. What? Hmm. Or they sense God's leadership to use their gifts in ministering to an unreached people group in some foreign country. Whoa, we've been praying into that. And that's okay. And that's not only okay, that's good. That's the best if that's what God wants for your child. And that may freak some of you out. But there's parents I can put you in touch with who have lived something like that. And it's not always that, right? It's uh, that the, the prayer of the parent matters so much. God, your will be done in my family in the lives of my kids and their future because that's the very best. And that, that is a part of true worship, surrendering our family to God. That's what I want you to just think about this morning a little bit. Thirdly, true worship involves surrendering everything to God about our finances, our earning, our spending, our decisions about debt, our, our, our growth in giving and moving toward uh, steadily moving toward greater generosity, everything about our finances. Surrendered to God. That, that's true worship. We, we must never forget that. Money isn't in a... We like to put it in this other category that either, you know... Yeah, yes. It can be a, a, a place where there's manipulation and, 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 and uh, uh, misuse and, and miscommunication. Yeah, uh, yes. But it's not in a separate category apart from the worship of our whole lives. It's a big part of, and again, if you know the Bible, 
you know that Jesus, in other places in Scripture, just talk about money a lot. And there's a reason for that. Because it can grip our hearts where wealth and possessions become what we worship. Our hearts become too attached to that which is temporal sometimes. And wealth is in that category. Former Bible college prof, Dr. Gordon Franklin, wrote an article several years ago about about giving as worship that we talk about here. It's biblical. And he wrote this. He said, it's easy to sing, he is Lord, but it's my attitude and actions at offering time, when we used to have that specified time, right? Uh, That it's my attitude and actions at offering time that prove whether or not he is the exclusive object of my worship. He writes, parting with the bread that perishes. Now, kids, bread is an old word for money, okay? Just just so you know. This is an older article. Uh, Parting, he says, parting with the bread that perishes has a way of taking my worship beyond a mere and beautiful emotional and vocal response to a level of much greater tangible cost. And that, he says, lies at the heart of real biblical worship. It's a good statement about money and worship. When we worship by giving financially to God and His work, we're we're also expressing our confidence, aren't we? That, That God will provide my needs and He's promised to do so. It's not a give and you'll get rich, but it is a give and I'll bless. Blessing comes in different ways than just money, we know. But it is also give, and I will provide the needs that you have. It's cool. And if you've worshipped God faithfully over the years in this area of financial giving, like so many of you have, you know, as Miriam and I know as well, that God does provide for the needs that you have. Not Withstanding seasons of stretch and challenge and wondering and worry, but coming back to trusting God, saying you are able to provide and seeing his creativity in, the, in that has been so cool over the, over the decades, I can say. And, and again, many, I know for you, many of you, that's, that's your testimony as well, because you've honored God in worshiping him this way. You see, it's mostly for our benefit that God tells us in Proverbs 3, 9 to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. In in, in other words, the very first thing we do when we get paid at work is give to God through the work of His church. And the Old Testament uh, starting point is 10%, referred to as a tithe, a tenth part. And some Christians argue and say, "Well, well, that's Old Testament. Now, of course, Christians are not bound to the Old Testament law and its requirements. But grace, New Testament, which we are, grace always outpaces the law, doesn't it? In everything. And it applies here as well. I mean, and think about it. As, as Christ followers who've received so much from our generous God, why would we want to argue for giving less? Which, sadly, that argument is, is often about. I love Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And he's commending the Christ followers here. Um, 
Under, under God's direction, he writes something cool. He says, since you excel in everything, and then he lists numbers of things, and he's commending, way to go, way to go for that. Then he says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I like that phrase. It's the, the grace of giving. It's like we have this privilege to give and to be generous. Yeah, not just with money, but with our time and with our talents and with our words of encouragement. Of course, all of that is generosity, biblical generosity. And I simply ask you this morning, are you, Marlo, are you excelling, excelling at worshiping God this way? If not, we're the ones that are missing out, right? Let's skip in conclusion to slide 17. Thanks, Dave. Understanding true worship as full surrender of our lives to God will take us to the place of experiencing life as God intended us to experience it and enjoy it. And even better, we will honor God as we do. What a privilege. How do I surrender? Well, it's not complicated. I didn't say it's easy, but it's not complicated. It's something we choose, isn't it? Many of you know this. As Christ followers who are desirous to have your life and everything about your life, honor God and inspire people. Love God and love people, Jesus said. Two greatest commandments. What a beautiful thing. To have as the kind of the bullseye on the target of how you, how you want to live your everyday life. And I know that so many of you want exactly that. Surrender. It starts with surrender. A life like that starts with full surrender of everything. And, and, and how that happens, that's a whole other, other message, of, of course. But it's a daily thing. It's a moment by moment. That the moment my feet hit the floor as I get out of bed and for me often, and I'm not saying I do this every morning, I need to just, you know, do this even more often, but, but fairly regularly I'll be, before my feet hit the floor and I'm, I'm coming awake, usually before my alarm these days because I'm old, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to discipline my thought, my, my, my thinking at that moment of waking up to be, God, this is your day. This is the day that you've given to me. May I use it as you want me to? And just some kind of prayer of, of surrender like that before my feet hit the floor. And I encourage you to join me in that. Um, we, we, in those moments, in, in that moment, we can surrender our, our day, our heart, our thinking, uh, my words. I, I surrender any anxious thoughts that are already f sometimes fighting for airtime in my head about this, that, and the other thing. Like you, I'm sure. That's the surrender that true worship is. In those moments, and I'm half awake or less, and that thought, those thoughts of surrender come to, my, come to my mind, and I start to, in my head, pray them. I don't think it's out loud. You'd have to ask Miriam if I ever woke her up with that, but maybe. But, but in those moments, those are worship moments because they're moments of expressed desire to surrender to our all-loving, all-wise God who knows best and loves us most. I am Brennan. I'm the 
pastor, uh, the worship pastor and young adults pastor here at Eaglemont. Uh, so great that you're all are, you all are here. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to continue in this worship Sunday. And uh, sorry, I usually, if I ever preach, I try not to lead as well because that's just too much of me. Um, so sorry that you all have to listen to me so much today. But let's get to the sermon. Um, let's talk about worship. Okay, worship is very multifaceted, as Pastor Marlo already talked about. Um, a lot of people just say, like, worship to talk about, you know, singing songs here on Sunday. And that is part of it. But, of course, worship is a wide variety of things, a wide spectrum um, of meaning. So, but what I'm going to be focusing on is the sung worship, the, the worship we do here on a Sunday morning all together. So, um, we're going to get to the main point of why we sing songs to God every week and, and then uh, how do we do that properly and how do we grow in that. But first, I think we just need to talk about um, what has shifted over, over the past few years. My, my friend, um, actually the guy I interned under, uh, preached a worship sermon a few weeks ago. And no, I didn't copy it completely. Just a, just a couple things, okay? One thing, one thing he said that I just found interesting um, he said with a conversation with another worship pastor that they were, they were talking about, um, they just said that something has shifted a little bit over COVID. Um, he said a lot of people have become observers of worship in, rather than actual worshipers. So some of us have become observers of worship instead of actual worshipers. You know, the fact is that we learn to just sit back and watch a worship service. And I, I get it. It's, it's, it was awkward sitting there with your family and watching church on screen and like maybe trying to sing along, but not like it was weird. I, I personally didn't like it. So I'm guessing during that time, um, you know, we were all in our homes. We, were, we probably just sat and watched. And now I don't want to discount the reality, of course, that you can worship God wherever you are. You can worship God alone. You can worship God in a small group of people. And you should be doing those things. We should have moments of, of worship outside the church and not just on a Sunday morning. But the fact is that that can't replace what we do here on a Sunday. And, um, and uh, yeah, being together just can't be replaced. Seeing you together just can't be replaced. Even I was reading some, like, studies on just not from a church um, study, but just the benefits of group singing. And there's multiple benefits of just singing together, like at a concert or something. And that's because I believe, you know, we were designed by God to sing together, to worship together. We were made for community, and God works in amazing ways when his church comes together to worship him, to pray, to learn, to follow him, and to love him more. And now, for those of you who are online now, um, maybe every week, maybe when you're, when you're sick, first of all, I want to apologize, maybe some of you don't know, but for online, we've had some issues recently. One time was my fault, the next time something broke, and then it was fixed, but then it changed something else, so we've just like been offline for a few weeks. And I'm sorry about that. We just want to know that you who are online, we value you as a church and uh, value the fact that you engage online. But still, in this church, we believe that live streaming and at-home church can never replace being in a local church, being in person. It's absolutely amazing for when people are sick, or of course, technology was a blessing during COVID. Uh, it's great for people to experience what church might be like before they're maybe comfortable and walking in the doors, but it can't replace the experience and the community and the worship of being together in the same room. You know, I say that not to shame anyone, of course, but to just give encouragement for being in person and to, you know, and I want to include those who are online 
in this conversation because I'll be talking about how important worshiping and singing together is. And that simply can't be replaced with an online experience. And I didn't want to ignore those of you who are online today. But for those of us who are in person now, um, I do believe that there's still that shift in some of us that, that we are still recovering from, from just being in our homes, from just subconsciously being taught to observe worship instead of actively engaging in it, instead of learning to be true worshipers. And, you know, I think this was already a struggle, um, you know, beforehand. In we live in a culture that is, you know, focused on consumerism and it's individualistic and entertainment culture, and we're all a part of that, and that is something we bring into our lives, and we need to try to fight that tide back. So this was already a struggle. And then add, you know, being in your homes for X amount of time, some of us longer than others, we've just learned to watch worship and instead of engage with it. And maybe you're a better Christian uh, than I was at home. I just have always felt so awkward, at least with like when I was with my parents, it felt more awkward. I can worship alone, but I'm not like gonna be singing my heart out. Like I'll, like, you know, you got, I'll sing and dance when no one's watching, like, um, but not when, you know, I'm just with a couple people on a couch and be like, ah, no, like, it just says, maybe you're a better Christian than I was. I struggled with it a lot, okay? But now we need to move from observers to worshipers. We need to move from consumers to participants, to people who will sacrifice. And again, yeah, you can have those moments of worship online, at home, and I hope that we do, that we don't have just worship moments here, but we take that into our day-to-day lives. Um, yeah, and maybe you are in person and just new to church or new recently and have never been taught how to worship or, you know, why we sing together. Today's an opportunity to take that step, and I just hope that all of us will just take a step forward in worship today. Um, Daryl Johnson is an amazing pastor and author, and I showed a clip of him uh, talk about prayer in the summer, but he said this about how we approach worship. He said, worship does not begin with us, and it does not end with us. So he's, meaning God is worshipped all the time. He's worshipped in heaven by the angels for all of eternity. He's worshipped 24-7 by people around the earth in, in different places. So there's a bigger picture than just us in church. So worship does not begin with us, and it does not end with us. So the question after a worship service is not, what did I get out of it? But the question is, did I enter in? Did I enter into the mystery? Did I enter into the worship that never ends? And did my heart cry worthy? Did I enter in? That is the question for us. Which means sometimes, you know, you show up then, which means you show up then to worship. You are ready to sacrifice. You are ready to enter in. Not just hoping they, you know, we play the songs you like. And, I, 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 you know, I try to. <laughs> but obviously you can't please everyone. Um, but it's not about that. It's not about the style. It's not about the songs. It's not about the lights. It's about worshiping God, entering into that worship. So let's remember, let's become real worshipers. Let's learn how to enter in today. So before we talk about, you know, I'm talking about singing and physical worship that we do here on a Sunday, um, let's quickly discuss worship of the heart, where all of our worship should start and flow out of. Worship is seen, you know, mainly just as, as a religious thing, right? But, but I think, as Pastor Marlowe kind of talked about, I think everyone worships. 
You know, we, uh, to worship something just means to put something as most important in your life. And if, if it's not God, then it's something else, whatever that may be, some better than others. You know, whatever you organize your life around doing or achieving or your first priority, that is what you worship. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that God is our first priority, that we orientate our lives around him because that is worship. Okay, and then there are many reasons to worship. We can worship God, of course, for his, his nature, his faithfulness, his power, his glory, for what he has done, um, for what he has created. And, of course, as we draw closer to God and read the Bible more, and you know, our worship will only grow. The more we know God, the more we realize how good he is and how deserving of our whole lives and our worship he is on a Sunday. And so if we want to grow in worship, that starts with your personal relationship with Jesus. That starts in the day-to-day relationship with Jesus. If we want to grow and worship together, it's a result of growing closer to him every day and then bringing that on a Sunday morning. But if, if we're to focus on one point of why, what can you know, turn our hearts to worship as Christians, then I think the greatest reason we have is, is the cross. We have Jesus' death on the cross, which is the most important and powerful event in history. It is the greatest act of love. You know, everything we've done wrong just washed away and we're forgiven and actually able to have a close relationship with God all because of what Jesus did. And then God walks with us, strengthens us, and is with us all because of Jesus. And all we have to do is accept him. So when, you know, when we understand more and more of how amazing what Jesus did for us, all we can say is, is thank you. All we can say is thank you to God and to worship him because we can't pay him back. We can never be good enough to, to feel like we've earned it or to, to earn it, but we can choose to worship with the lives that we have. First Peter 2, 24 to 25 says, he himself bore our sins in his body, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That is why we worship. But that, you know, again, that could all be done personally, right? That could be done in your own lives. So why do we worship together as a church? Why is that important? Why do we sing on Sunday? Why do we clap or raise our hands? Why do some people dance maybe in other churches that are a little bit more expressive or in the Bible, you know, we, we worship together through song because the Bible encourages these physical acts. You know, simple as that. The Bible is very, you know, community-focused as well. The early church was all about meeting together and being together as a church and, you know, just how important life together is. So worship together was a part of that. And as a church, we just want to follow what the Bible says because we believe that it's God's word and we believe that it's the best way for us to live. Not just, not just a bunch of rules, but actually a way for us to live our full lives under God. And if you want you know, specific verses, of course, this is a condensed sermon. So you can read through the Psalms and find example after example of physical worship, of, of singing, or what I read this morning, of playing instruments in and, and, and praise and worship. So again, the question we should be asking ourselves when we come to worship It's not, did I get something out of this? Or how did I like the worship? The question is, did I enter in? And there are ways that God teaches in his word 
of how we should enter in. God has laid that out for us. You know, physical worship is just an outward testimony of God's goodness. You're proclaiming what God has done for you by, by physically showing it. And I, I want to be sensitive here because I know that, you know, people are wired differently, and that's, that's a good thing. That's how we're made. But we believe that when a heart is satisfied and worshiping God, that physical acts of worship should follow. And God made both our minds and our bodies, and they're both under him. We should be worshiping, worshiping him with our entire being. You know, what we do with our bodies actually matters. We aren't just a brain or a soul that was given a body. God created all of us. Our body is a part of us, part of who we are. God created us. So we, uh, what we do with our bodies actually matters. It actually has an effect on, you know, how we live and act and experience the world around us and experience God. Like, you know, it's like the Bible teaches fasting. Okay, so why does Jesus fast? Why does the Bible teach fasting food to become more like Jesus and grow in prayer and draw closer to God? There is some connection, even if we can't explain it. There's a connection between what we do with our bodies and how we relate to God. So what we do physically matters. It matters for our lives. For, it matters for relating to God and connecting to him and following him. You know, we can't just worship in our heads. It, it should start there, start in our hearts, but it, it needs to grow and it needs to be shown. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you've never really taken those steps, to take those steps today. Not to make anyone feel guilty. We're all growing. I'm not saying I'm expecting people to be dancing around or else you're bad Christians. There's different levels of, of expressiveness, of course. But it, it, is, it is concerning to me that, that too often I, I see people and churches make worship just so individually focused. right? And that's not what it's meant to be. It's not about you. It's not about me. Your life should be marked by serving Jesus and serving others, not yourself. You know, we, we, don't, we don't worship for ourselves. We worship for God's glory. And the Bible lays out how we should be worshiping, how God desires us to follow him. You know, first in the heart, but let the outflow of your heart be evident in your body. Because even just, even just what it does for the church, for the people around you is important. Physical worship encourages more physical worship. If we have a church where everyone is just singing loudly and boldly, then maybe someone who hasn't sung yet isn't scared to join in if they feel like people won't hear them or they're self-conscious, right? If you look around and people are passionately worshiping, it is just encouraging to the rest of the church. It stirs up greater passion in others for God. And, you know, you may be worshiping in your heart and, and be grateful, and that's awesome, but if someone looks at you and you look bored and upset, it's just not encouraging to others. So when we gather together, it's not about you. And again, no guilt, no shame, of course, but this is our desire for our church to grow in biblical worship of Jesus, to always be focused on what Jesus has done for us and to be willing to live a life of, of surrender, of sacrifice, and of worship, whatever that may be. So the, the band can, can come back up at this time, and uh, Otis and Amanda, you can come get ready. He'll be reading some scripture for us before we go into a few more songs. But we now have an opportunity to, to put this into practice, okay? And I just want to encourage you to not hold back your worship, but to allow the love of God and what Jesus has done in your life show in true worship to Jesus. Maybe that is just singing for the first time. Maybe that is raising your hands as a sign of surrender. It's just a sign of reaching out to God or it can just 
you can lift up your hands down here, just receiving what God has for you. Maybe for you, that is just finding a place to, to kneel down and surrender before Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever that next step is, whatever you feel God speaking to you in these moments, I just want to encourage you to take that step. I encourage you to worship